Welcome everyone to another episode of Daybreak Crypto. You have Swiss and Kem on bringing two recent fundraises in the sector, hitting the wire recently. First on the list, Hashflow, a decentralized exchange, has raised $25 million at a $400 million valuation to build what they are calling an interoperable, low-fee, low-slippage DEX. The difference here is it does not use an AMM structure like Uniswap or other popular uh, DEXs that have proliferated over the past two and three years. They have a unique model called a request for quote pricing model, which allows market makers to create a, a price that holds whenever you go to make an order, you get a, a quote and that quote doesn't change for the length of you entering in your order and, and executing it. So interesting company. I mean, they they have a huge valuation for what they're trying to do. They have a list of heavy gravitas investors, jump crypto, Coinbase, Kraken, uh, Dragonfly Capital, and a bunch of different people here. So the one thing that stuck out to me was this this RFQ model. So this is the request for quote pricing model. And I think what's going on here is they've probably developed something pretty novel to fetch this kind of valuation um, suggests that they've done something kind of interesting. I want to comment, you know, th there's a couple of DeFi interoperable, interoperable DeFi DEXs that we have our eyes on that we, we know uh, firsthand. And the difference here is they're not focused on Cosmos yet. So really, the you can go in and, and check it out. Um, Ethereum, Avalanche, BSC. Next on their list in their roadmap is Solana. And then I think they're going to look at Cosmos and Polkadot. So I think the, the really interoperable chains are kind of further down the road. But mm -hmm. what did you think when you saw this? Well, it, it seems like a natural progression from from what we've seen from from most chains. They kind of move down that order first. They start with Solana, and then move into either Polkadot or Cosmos. Um, that kind of seems to be the how it triages down. But as for the actual product, it, it seems really interesting. I have heard about the re the request for quote kind of mechanisms. Um, I'm interested to kind of understand, I guess, better how they work because it seems to me very similar to an order book style uh, model, right? You're essentially you're getting what you're bidding on. So there's no slippage in that type of, I guess, exchange. You might pay some sort of fee. Um, whereas an AMM, I understand there's going to be slippage with trades if the pool's lopsided and, and other things like that. So I, I definitely think the idea of this RFQ pricing model is interesting and clearly based on this valuation, so do a lot of the investors. Um, but yeah, I would definitely like to just kind of understand better uh, how their mechanism works and how this this model is going to create a better experience for the user, but then also, I, I guess, create value for either their product or token. Yeah, I want to take a deeper dive here because I don't know how I would participate as an LP, but I, I think you can, right? It's a DEX, so it's not centralized bookmakers. It's, from what I understand, anybody can go and, and provide liquidity to these these pairings, and I'm not really sure how that works. I haven't I haven't dug in deep enough, but they have this really interesting dashboard set up, and they're doing a ton of volume. So 
just in the past 24 hours, it looks like they've done 131, I don't know, $17 million of value of, of volume. And in the past 24 hours, 90 cross-chain daily active users. So it's very low because you would expect as cross-chain transactions increase over time, that number is obviously going to go up. But there's a lot of room for these guys to, to grow. I just really wonder about this valuation. It's pretty extreme in my eyes. Yeah, I, I agree. It, it, it seems like an extremely large valuation considering the number of like, kind of like you're talking about cross-chain parties actually involved. The volume itself um, for, a, for a newer product, I guess, may not be the most concerning thing, but you'd hope you're at least drawing in lots of different users um, or liquidity providers. And so it'll be interesting to see how it kind of grows. If it does have this exponential growth that you kind of come to expect in tech and, and Web3, then maybe it's not an issue at all. And this valuation, you know, a few years becomes, you know, a deal. But as it, current sits, as it currently sits with the current market and the current global kind of economic, you know, feeling we have right now, I'd really feel like this would be, is a stretch of evaluation based on those metrics. Yeah, and they have... To clarify, they have 1,200 daily active users, but those are those are not cross-chain users. Or they, okay. they might contain some of the 90. It only says in the dashboard 90 users were cross-chain interaction using cross-chain interactions over the past 24 hours. Uh, total volume all time, is, they said they've done 8.4 billion. So I mean, they're and clearly they facilitating good trades. But if you think about like Jump Crypto and these other folks. Um, they're probably double dipping, you know, they're probably running books. They're probably running LP on this thing. And this is, I think we all, I think most of us think cross chains the future. So if they can do it in a cool novel way that works, then, then it's everybody wins. So it'll be interesting to watch. Yeah, definitely. And I am noticing right now 37,000 of cross chain volume in the last 24 hours. So that, that to me is I mean, and granted, maybe the cross chain is, you know, more of the next step. And the first step is kind of this proof of concept. And this is a proof of concept. It's it's working. And if it's affordable and the user experience is good enough, then it'll attract more users. But um, 37,000 in cross chain volume, if that's that's your sticking point, is another, yeah, another kind of, in my eyes, weird statistic to compare to the valuation. Yeah, <laughs> I agree. <laughs> Well, this is, yeah, so we'll be on, we'll, we'll be watching this one. Um, but then I know you have a deal that you brought up and another uh, eye watering, uh, mouth, whatever, just crazy. I know phrase. what you mean. I know. No, yeah. no, this is honestly, this one in my eyes, based on the valuation, seems a little more reasonable. So this one's Aptos Labs. Um, so it's a startup that's created by two former meta employees or former Facebook, I guess, prior to the change. Um, and they were able to raise $150 million in their Series A. Uh, this is actually the second round, so I think they've gathered around $350 million total. Um, the, the, this round, though, was led by FTX uh, and Jump Crypto, and then they also received new investments from some of these other familiar names that I'm sure many are aware of, like Apollo, Franklin Templeton, Circle Ventures, um, and then obviously they got more support from A16 and uh, Multicoin as well. And so what Aptos is, is it's it's essentially a new smart contract platform being built. Um, it's, a, it's a layer one, um, kind of that monolithic layer one style, similar to, I guess, Solana or an Ethereum. 
Um, but they do mention that it's meant to be a low latency, so very quick transactions, fast finality. And therefore, I think it kind of reminds me of more of like a Solana um, is kind of what they're going for. And what makes it, I guess, unique in a different way is that they use the move language. So the move language is actually originally designed for Diem, which was a project that the co-founders actually were working on at Meta. So a lot of people may be familiar with Diem, um, which are blockchains that Meta Labs or Meta, I believe it's Labs, <laughs> was trying to uh, build out. For stable, but either for way, stable coin, right? Weren't they trying to do a stable yeah, coin? Yep. Yep, it was going to be a stable coin. And I believe it was going to be a blockchain that you could essentially develop on top of. But I think the stable coin was the kind of the initial um, thing they're trying to build out. And so essentially what they're doing is they're now creating their own blockchain. Um, but it's a straight co smart contract platform. It's not necessarily going to be a stable coin. Um, and they're going to utilize this move programming language. Um, and they think it's a very good and flexible language. They actually compared it to Rust, um, which is a common programming language you'll see in chains like Polkadot, um, uh, Cosmos, a lot of the Cosmos chains will use Rust, um, and, and a few other you know prominent blockchains will use the Rust language. It's, it provides great security and flexibility, which I guess is similar to what uh, Move is offering. So, I, I mean, to be honest, I was quite surprised with the valuation um, given, I guess, what I read about the actual tech, because I didn't see exactly what made this blockchain um, so much different from what we already kind of have established in the ecosystem, or I guess the broader uh, ecosystem of all blockchains right now. So I, I was interested to get your take on that um, after kind of reviewing it. Yeah, so there's something going on with these former Meta, former Facebook executives because mm -hmm. there's another one called Mistin Labs and yep. they the rumor is that they're seeking a two billion dollar valuation and they're trying to raise two hundred million. It's a different group than uh Aptos. Yep. They, I, I remember hearing about that. Yeah, and I recently talked to a team who's building on Mist uh Mistin and they uh I had not heard of it before they talked to me, but the Ecosystem was interesting, I would say. And so, because they, they also talk about the move language. They also talk about this, this open source language move for building smart contracts. So um, what I think happened is basically they did a ton of work at Facebook on a DM project and they had to kill, Facebook had to kill that project because of regulate, regulatory scrutiny. Um, yeah. There was no way as the years rolled by that they were going to be allowed to create a currency. The, the U.S. government was never going to, I mean, allow that. So I think that they did so much that the executives who worked those teams probably were just like, well, we can't just throw this away. Um, you know, you read this Aptos article, and it's kind of funny to me because they talk about spending the past three years prototyping things and, and doing a lot, and I'm just wondering what they did with the, the money over the past several years, right? Like um, their article is very technical. Um, there's this there's this vision article that they've put out to talk about what the Aptos vision is. It's, it, I mean, I don't know, just by reading this, I can't tell what's different. It's a smart contract layer one platform. It's gonna be high throughput. You know, it's the same stuff that everybody says, but 
they do talk a little bit sophistic, more sophisticated in this blog post then I'm equipped to really digest some of this, some of this terminology. And, you know, I don't yeah. have the technical chops to go in and, and evaluate what they're, right. what they're saying. It, so I'm right there with you. I I've actually done quite a bit of digging into this to, to try to find those differentiators. And, and there are quite, quite a few. And, and to your point, a lot of it's kind of over my head in terms of my technical knowledge. But um, basically what I, what I understood is that they're basically, they created their own BFT, which is like the benzene tolerance or fault tolerance, um, which is like the consensus mechanism that Cosmos uses as well. Um, so like the, they created their own called the DMBFT and it, and it's similar, but obviously there's their own tweaks they've made to it. Um, and this is the part, obviously I can't dive too deep into, but it is different in a certain sense. And I think what is different is allows for faster throughput. Um, it basically says it can get consensus in two round trips and then it can basically achieve over 130 K transaction per second. Um, so really what it seems to be highlighting is this, this ability to really, you know, have high throughput transactions, which we've seen with a lot of other blockchains comes with trade-offs and it's typically decentralization. Um, so it's, it'd be interesting to see kind of how their validator sets are going to work. Um, and, and if they're going to be kind of more of a public-based thing where people can spin them up or if it's going to be more privatized where they're selecting specific validators or if they'll run their own validators. Um, I guess there's a lot for me to kind of dig into. So, Yeah, me too. Me too, for sure. And I think uh, one this one sentence that really stuck out out of their vision statement to me was, our goal is to focus holistically on performance from the user experience. So... I mean, the Facebook user experience obviously is quite good. Anybody is easy to go and use Instagram, Facebook, all these different things. So I kind of look at them as maybe being a little more credible than most. And maybe they can, like, I don't really know what that means if they're talking about the user experience from the front end or if yeah. the back end developer. I mean, it's, just, I think it's, it's all little... jargony and it's, it's really hard to kind of digest, yep. but. And I maybe think it's they, a little bit of both. Maybe that that to me stuck out as okay, like this needs to happen. Uh, wh whoever's really going to build the next big thing in the set in the space, it it's got to have a better user experience. So, well, and that's the thing though is like I can definitely see this being that kind of you know very high quality user experience chain um, that people could maybe start to people will start to use and build on top of because of the ease of use and cheap transactions and, and how fast they are. But at the end of the day, I, I think like you're only, you can only do so much with that structure because you're inherently giving up certain abilities to have that speed, to have that, you know, very buttery like user experience with everything because everything processes so quickly. So to your point, if anyone's going to be able to do it, it's going to be, people who are coming from these major companies like Meta um, who have already done these type of products with great user experiences. But, but really what I fear is just, it's just going to be a very centralized private, you know, basically revamped version of what we're already using, but just on a blockchain. And by what, yeah. when I say what we're already using, I mean like Facebook and, and it, like basically recreating the web two experience in web three, um, by having major companies centralize the the whole thing. Yeah. 
Yeah. And I mean, if, if they, if they take a first principles approach here and if, if they're really just focused on building a language that's user experience galore, that, you know, maybe, maybe that's, maybe that's what it takes, mm -hmm. but, um, we'll be watching it. So good stuff. Really, really good stuff. There's some interesting trends happening here that you, you only tap into if you're, if you're digging in like this. So this is really good, but, um, I think we're at time. So I know, I think we have two of the guys are coming on tomorrow for another episode. And then later this week, we'll have more daybreak. You bet. And I'm hoping to make it on again uh, next week. See if we can make a, uh, get ourselves a little streak going. Let's do it. Let's do it, man. <laughs> All, All right, right, brother. Talk soon. Take care.